0: Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us on the Gold and Steel podcast where we talk all things Vegas Golden Knights. As usual, I'm JP. I'm here with my partner in crime, Ian, and quick summary of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to cover some big breaking news. The Coyotes' new arena proposal was rejected. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about fan reactions to the Final Four in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll do a quick uh, review or wrap-up of the Vegas-Edmonton second-round series, and then, of course, a series preview of the Vegas-Dallas series, which, of course, means that Vegas got out of the second round. Ian, what do you think, buddy? They did it.
1: They did, and it was, uh, it was a bit touch-and-go. We were talking on the last cast about the fact of how important Game 5 was going to be and what that led for Game 6, but Vegas did exactly what we wanted them to do. They got it wrapped up. Made game six look a little easy at the end, um, yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah. and they did it in Edmonton's shop as well. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's a heartbreaker for the fans. But hey, it's that's yeah. hockey.
0: That's hockey. Yeah, big big win in the in the other team's barn, and uh, we'll do a little wrap up of that series in a couple of minutes here. But uh, mm. let's talk about some NHL news. I mean, big shocker, Ian. This just broke a few hours ago, and you and I have talked about this on this show a number of times and we're both strongly opinionated about it, but it finally happened. The, the Tempe, the citizens of Tempe voted and they rejected the public referendum for the Coyotes arena and entertainment complex proposal. I mean, that's, that's gotta be it for them. They've got it. That's gotta be it. What else? What other option do they have there? They've that's, gotta be relocating now, right? They have to, I mean, you know, look, we, we talked about it before. We knew
1: this was coming. We we kind of highlighted this was a was a reality. Well, it was a, a potential uh, outcome that has now become a reality. Um, and it's a resounding answer from the from the market that they don't want the team. And I think for Bettman to continue to push it like he has done, I think it was a poor move. We, when we talked about Bettman before, we said that he was staking, kind of you know, not his reputation because it's more than just what the, happens to the Coyotes, but he was staking a lot. On being able to turn this around, and was adamantly and being very stubborn and saying, "Look, I'm. This is what we're doing. They're staying in Arizona, um, and all the cards were were going to be dealt when this when this vote went down. It hasn't gone the way they wanted. Um, I, personally, I'm glad, <clears throat> and the reason why I'm glad is not because I don't like the Coyotes. It's because I think the best thing for the franchise is just to reset, mm. to move somewhere else, change name." Don't become the Houston Coyotes, okay? Just change name, restart, refresh. You've got an absolute ton of draft picks. You've got a perfect time to reboot your franchise, start again. Um, and, and that's what this needs. Now the, the, the answer is, is clear. I know the vote was close, but it doesn't matter. Like you're talking to someone who's in the UK. When a vote is done, it's done. You can mm-hmm. talk about maybe redoing it or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's done. It might, If it was close or not to relevant yeah. realities. even if it was close and it swung the other way, that to me doesn't tell me you've got a great market. That mm-hmm. tells me you've got an indecisive market that's not sure whether they even want this sport. So I think it's time to move. Now the question is going to be where do they move to? And Lots mm-hmm. of people are going to think this is going to be Houston. I, I really hope it isn't. Um, I think Houston deserves a hockey team. I think they they could easily house a hockey team. Uh, Texas is massive, um, and, uh, and and having Dallas and Houston is going to be no problem whatsoever. But I, I kind of feel like Seattle and Vegas have proved that the expansion draft works. You know, it's, it's, it's a good system. It's proven to be successful. You've had a team that nearly made the conference final in the second year, a team that made the Stanley Cup final in their first year. Why on earth would Houston want to buy damaged goods? You know, So I think for me, they'll be looking elsewhere. And I I also think Bettman kind of knew this. So Bettman was talking to other cities, but I'll tell you the two cities it won't be. Okay, this is my hot take. I can't reach the media board. If I could, imagine some flamey sounds, okay? (laughs) My hot take is this. It's not going to be Houston, and it's not going to be Quebec. So Quebec fans, if you listen to this podcast, get that idea out of your head straight away. I know you're all there going, yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, it could be, it could be Portland or something. I'm not saying it, it particularly won't be uh, Canada, but I, I just feel like it's uh, it's probably going to be the US and it's probably going to be the east side of the US. And I think they're just going to move them, and it'll be a, it'll be like what happened with Hartford, uh, what happened with the Winnipeg Jets, where they move and it's total rebrand.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: new name, not something Coyotes. Yeah, total refresh. But mm-hmm. it's, it's breaking yeah. news. It's shocking news, but at the it, same
0: time i'm not shocked it's yeah it's it's shocking because it finally happened but you and i have gone on rants about this on several <laughs> episodes over the life of this show and we yeah. both saw this coming we both knew that this was a last last gasp for the team mm-hmm. I, I think most people did and yes. look I, I will say i i feel i feel bad for the fans to, to if, if that's what ends up happening if you lose your team it's gotta be a terrible feeling. I can only imagine in, in their shoes if if the Vegas Golden Knights got shipped off to another city. So I, you know, this is not a mark on the fans by any means, but I mean, when a franchise is run that poorly for that long, it, I don't even know that it speaks to the market, it, the, the, this franchise is cursed with poor management. They've had, I think I read today, they've had seven different owners in what 25 years or 30 years however long they've been around um you know they they've been in financial trouble the league had to come in and take over they've they've never they've almost never ice a winning team uh they don't pay their bills and the reason they that's why they can't find a home because they're financially either insolvent or mismanaged and, and they, you know, they don't pay their bills and everybody in Phoenix, in the Phoenix metropolitan area knows that. And they've tried several, you know, and Tempe is just one of many cities in a giant urban sprawl in the Phoenix metropolitan area. And this was their last chance. They hadn't tried Tempe. So they're like, well, that's a good location. Let's give that a shot. But most of the other cities, the other small cities that make up the, you know, to medium sized cities that make up Phoenix, um, they don't want any part of it. And so, you know, if, if the fans are gonna be angry, you know, be angry with, with the management, the ownership, and I'm sure they are, it's, like I said, and certainly not trying to rub salt in the wound. It's really sad. And, but like you said, it's now what I'm curious about is if they relocate that I'm assuming that automatically, does that automatically mean a sale? Because if it continues to be the same ownership group and management, then what will change? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Good question. How does that work? I don't know enough about it to know how that works, you know. It can it can be
1: the same owner. Yeah. So they don't have to physically change owner to do it, but it would make sense to start again. I guess mm-hmm. the problem with that is will you find a taker because I think the yeah. only thing that's had a worse marketing campaign than the Arizona Coyotes is Bud Light. So yeah, it, it's right. you know like <laughs> yeah. it's going to be it's not an easy thing to just mm-hmm. get a new owner in like it's, again you're kind of looking at do I take on the coaches or do I just pay and buy a new franchise from the start? Yeah. It's like how much the coach is actually going to go for because you're right. not going to pay anywhere near like expansion level money right. because why would you? So, right. exactly. Uh, and, yeah. you know, Ottawa obviously set the bar, but Ottawa's a totally different franchise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's got its own troubles, but it's in a fantastic market. It's in a hotbed of hockey. It's mm-hmm. got great prospects. It's improving year on year like so yeah I think same owners, which maybe means it'll end up being a west western coast team like mm-hmm. a western coast location mm-hmm. um, I just don't think it would be Houston and I, I think Houston would be silly to uh
0: yeah. to take them. Sure, Definitely. sure, and, and San, uh, San Diego is another name I'm hearing thrown around a bit there. I suppose San Diego <laughs> certainly has a large enough population. I'm not sure that Southern California honestly needs another, or California in general probably doesn't need another NHL team. I mean, and it didn't
1: would, work. They, uh, didn't San Diego have a team, uh, uh, the
0: seals, the, the California Golden um, Seals? But I want to say, I want to say those might have been in the Bay Area, um, up okay. up north. But I'm not sure if San Diego's ever had one. But I could be wrong. Um, any listeners who who know that <laughs> correct feel free to yeah feel free to throw it into the comments uh yeah. on youtube or on twitter and let us know but um well it's look it's a sad day we knew it was coming and I, i'm i think right that the problem needs to be rectified so it's good that they're going to probably have a reset um unless they're able to figure something out but well, uh, still sad you feel bad for the fans but it finally happens you do. And that's it you know
1: and we're not going to have any news for a while. The only thing that I'd noticed on here was that Bettman, his quote was that we're going to evaluate all options with the ownership group mm. and make a decision. So, yeah, if if Bettman's ace, he's a smart cookie, right? Like him or hate him. He's not stupid when it comes to business. Yeah. He's very savvy. Um, that's why the hockey is in such a good place right now, financially, given COVID and everything else. Um And he's going to wait until after the playoffs. There's yeah. no way on this planet he's going to let this news story detract away from what is been a fantastic Stanley Cup playoffs in 2023 yeah. so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely and and I'm sure you can't tell me they haven't already discussed options. You, meetings have been had. This has been discussed for much long. I mean they've been You're always to have this. a plan B,
1: right? Yeah,
0: they've been working up to this vote for a long time. So we don't know what's happening, but guaranteed things have been already Wheels have been turning, and plans have been rolling behind the scenes for quite some time, so it'll be fascinating to see what happens there. Um, one other bit of news it's not really news, but maybe an observation, but it's been a lot of talk around the league is disappointment from some fans and pundits, but particularly fans around the league that the final four teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs are all in newer non-traditional hockey markets which is really interesting to me i i think i think the pundits and the league love it it's good for the sport but i it's interesting I'm, i can't really it's hard for me to know what to make of that i i think some of that is canadian pride that the last canadian team is out and so there's a little bit of soreness and bitterness there you know canadians kind of pull together for whichever canadian team is left you know, because they want the cup to come back to Canada. I think there's some of that that goes on. So maybe some of that's coming from Canada. It's definitely coming from the traditional markets, original six, that kind of stuff. But uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's gotta be good for the sport in every way. Right, Ian? I mean, that's just sour grapes mostly, isn't its it? Is, could this 100%. possibly be bad for the sport? No, no, it's hundred percent sour grapes. I mean, the <laughs> I, I get the, the Canadian thing, and
1: this is where I annoy like all of our Canadian of base. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it is, like, it is what it is. It is what but it is. You can't yeah. have parity in a league and then complain that the same teams don't get to the final every year. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't get the argument for this. I, I want to be in a league where all thirty-two teams have a chance of winning the cup at some point in time. Not the same mm-hmm. time. Let's right. Be realistic. You're in a window you're out of a window. I mean, look at the Chicago Blackhawks. <clears throat> you are very much out of a window, but they'll get back into it. And that's the whole reason of parity is that if you draft well, you have good free agent signings as an ownership group and a management team, you do the right things on and off the ice, you have a chance of being successful. So mm-hmm. I want to see all 32 teams have that chance at various times. And that means you're going to have cycles where, you know, it's Vegas and it's Dallas. And Dallas are a prime example of a management team and uh, this is gonna, we'll talk about it a little bit later, I suppose. But Dallas haven't really had any like standout first round picks for ages. They haven't tanked. They've done a very good job of actually just staying in their window mm-hmm. and and drafting smart. And you know, hats off to them. This is the second, well, at least the second conference final they've been to in a couple of years. Yeah, uh, they got to the Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah. uh, coming when? But um, twenty twenty did. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really a stats guy I can't even remember that <laughs> Jesus Christ um but the you know and then on the East Coast Florida in the in their conference fight that's fantastic that's yeah. they, they've been in the shadow of their like the little brother mm-hmm. of of Tampa Bay for, for for years now um almost a joke as a franchise at certain points they've had to rebrand on and all on, all on all kinds they've looked like they were going to relocate at times mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic and I think if fan bases don't like it you know just don't be so Sour man, just yeah. accept that it's not always your team every year. But would it be great to see a Canadian team lift this time? Of course it would. And yeah. everybody thought it was gonna be Calgary this year, mm-hmm. but they didn't. And that's yeah. just life.
0: Yeah, that's how it goes. And I, I, I felt particularly, and we're we're gonna come up to this next, and it's probably a good this is a good way to transition to this actually, felt a lot of pushback from not just Edmonton fans, but just generally Canadian pundits and experts on Vegas's victory it was really interesting and and I'm just going to say this quickly I'm not going to obsess about it I posted about it on Twitter and it got a pretty big response but there was the Sportsnet broadcast in the wrap-up after game six one of the pundits former player said something to the effect of hey if you run the simulation over and over again Edmonton's going to win you know at least half the time and probably go on to win the Stanley Cup uh, it, to me that is that is just the most absurd thing i've ever heard a national pundit say about mm. a sports result that's kind of like um it's pointless it's yeah it's kind of like kids in the backyard playing sports saying do over i wasn't ready uh-huh. like it, i don't know i and and i know some of that is it's a canadian broadcast but and fair enough you got your teams that you're pulling for but um but i really felt that bias towards the newer teams in the league, you know, that sort of lack of respect. Like, I mean, it, it is what it is, but, but let's do a little wrap up on the series on the Vegas Edmonton series. Um, They did it in six and, uh, Ultimately, I mean, Ian, what do you think the difference was? I have my thoughts on what the, the difference was ultimately for Vegas. And a lot of that was five on five. But what did you see? What was the difference maker for them? Oh,
1: well, clearly it was because the simulator was broken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I completely just, and you know, what, that's the one thing, just flicking back to that for a second, mate, because uh, as a Brit watching American sports, I find the punditry nauseating. At times, mm. yeah, you know, everybody's amazing. It's like watching Lego, yeah. you know, that Lego song, like everything is everything awesome. Everything is like, awesome. Is every, like, <laughs> be <home. laughs> team can be loses six, they're like, oh, but man, they tried so hard. You're like, oh, for yeah. God's sake, just say they're crap, but yeah. they won't do it. So yeah. I'm not surprised. And the bias between home and away commentary is insane, yeah, absolutely insane. Oh, yeah, and you don't yeah. get that in, in, in English sports because you, you don't have punditry is supposed to be unbiased. Yeah. But informative, and that's the way that it works in the UK. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. so I, I'm not shocked with that, but I'm a little bit disappointed with those comments. Because yeah. I completely disagree. I feel like the difference in in the last couple of games is that Vegas kept the penalties in check. They did what, you know, okay, they gave some away. But you could see the way the fans were reacting in game six when they got a penalty, mm-hmm. how frustrated they were there wasn't more. Yeah. And Edmonton's game plan of just piss Vegas off so that they give by a penalty wasn't working.
0: Yeah, that no, stopped working. Also, you know. Vegas got yeah, wise exactly. to it. Yeah, yeah, big factor, big yeah. factor. Well, it's interesting what you say about the pundits because of course, you know, in, in the United States, and I'm not sure how it is in the UK, but in the US and in Canada, you know, we have, there's two different kinds of broadcasts, right? We have regional broadcasts and then we have national mm-hmm. broadcasts. And, and of course, regional pundits, regional broadcasts, you expect a degree of bias towards the home team. That's pretty standard. Yeah. We, we expect that here. It's the national broadcasts that are supposed to be neutral. Generally, we expect them to be neutral. And that Sportsnet broadcast, where he made that simulation comment, that was a national broadcast in Canada. It was not Edmonton's regional team. At this point in the playoffs, the regional teams, the, the regional broadcasts stop after round one. So from round two on, they're all national broadcasts here. So if you just watch it in one place, so, and in Canada, of course they have their own, sometimes their own broadcast teams, their own studio analysts, but, um, so I get the bias was more Canadian than it was team-based. You know, I think all of those guys, and, and it's McDavid, right? The league loves McDavid and they were all, but but that—that's yeah. just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. It's a, yeah, to, it to have a national pundit kind of discrediting Vegas's victory by saying, "Well, it could have gone either way." It's like they beat him in six, yeah. and the final score on Game Six was what five two, I think. Um, uh, yeah, and it could, it could have been so, more. Though, to be honest, c- I mean, c- could it have gone either way? Running running it could have gone either way. Is like a Game Seven in OT, a lot of close games. Like, well, so like
1: <laughs> Vegas, uh, Edmonton well Vegas is like they had that stranglehold and they finished it off that's what happened yeah um, Dallas Seattle yeah of course that could have gone either way that could way. have gone either way you know a couple yeah. of little bounces the first goal for example that Rope Hint scored mm-hmm. you know a little breakaway but the breakaway that kind of came from a bit of a toss in the a neutral zone guy gets right. away gets a goal I totally understand if the, if the pundit had have said that after a game seven yeah well at least just said something along the lines of it could have gone either way I mean right but I felt Vegas did a great job in Game Five. They did a great job in Game Six. I was really impressed, and also a shout out. And I'm probably going to shout this out a few times when we come to our, our quick fire questions later. But Aiden Hill, mm. that's coming in high pressure scenario. Not a lot of experience generally, but certainly a lot of experience in the playoffs. Um, and I, I, you know, I thought he didn't obviously post a shutout, but it was yeah, his stats. He's got the yeah. second highest save percentage. In the NHL, in the playoffs, Uh, you could say it's a small sample size. Who cares? It's high-pressure scenarios, and the kids stood up, so
0: fair play. There was a pundit on Twitter today that apologized to Aiden Hill for disrespecting him because he, like a lot of people in the league, a lot of people don't know much about Aiden Hill, and they don't know what he was doing earlier this season before he got hurt, and so this pundit apologized and said, I wasn't familiar with your game and I apologize for disrespecting you. A lot of people expected, they think, oh, this is Aiden Hill, this is the backup, there are three or four goalies in. In reality, earlier this season, he was settling into some outstanding goaltending, but he only got three or four starts before he got hurt. And so what I saw was what I was seeing earlier this season, like the game he played against New Jersey right before he got hurt, where it was arguably one of the best goaltending performances in the entire league of the year. Um, And a little shaky at first, right? A little shaky uh, at the beginning of the game, game six there. Just nerves, right? Hostile barn. It was a kind of a loosey-goosey start. But once he settled in, and I think the, the the goalie coach for Vegas is doing a great job as well. He has this—I mean—he's very calm in the crease, very positional. He's a big guy. Like it was impressive to watch. And I so I feel I have confidence in in Hill going into this next series. But um, but no, I totally agree with you. He he was solid. And um, before we move on to the to the conference final here. You know, what happened with Edmonton? Where did, where did they fall short? Of course, everybody's been talking about this, but you know, I was nervous fa- about Vegas facing Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton yep. looked like a scary, dangerous team to me and they are, but where did they fall short? I mean, for me, ultimately defense and goaltending. <laughs> There's a, you can pick on a few things, but ultimately, what cost them in the last few games of the series was defense and goaltending, to my eye. But what do you think, Ian? Yeah, definitely
1: defense. Um, I mean, I, I'm kind of a bit, a bit biased, I guess, because I, I like Stuart Skinner as a as a goalie. I mm-hmm. think he's he's their starter going forward, so I don't want to be too critical of his performances. Um, but the, the defense is I'm not a big I just, I'm not a big fan of it. I think it's something that that Ken Holland needs to work on because mm-hmm. it's. They were just just. It's just not strong enough. But then they've got a similar problem to other teams. You know, you've, they've got like what nine, nearly ten million sunk in Darnell Nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it hard then to, when you've got yeah. X amount of million sunk in McDavid and Drysail to start mm-hmm. getting a really straight... You know, if you're going to be that offensively minded, you're probably going to have to sacrifice a bit of decap. So yeah, I, I felt like they lost it because they just don't have depth. You know, I know right. that the Vegas, the Vegas, we kind of talked about Vegas's depth beforehand and I know one of the comments you made was that Edmonton fans are adamant they were, they were deep all the way through. I just don't think they are. And I think there's a lot of kids because it has to be, a bit like Toronto, there has to be kids because mm-hmm. otherwise the salary cap situation doesn't work. Yeah. So you've got people like McLeod who, who didn't play poorly, but McLeod's not got NHL experience. Whereas having somebody like, you know, Phil Kessel or Tanev or someone like that, I, I feel like if they'd have a better bottom six they really would have pushed vegas to seven
0: mm-hmm. because
1: when vegas took control of games it was because they could run four lines and yeah. essentially unless edmonton got them on the power play or got themselves on the power play mm-hmm. they eventually just wore edmonton down yeah because it's just keep coming and coming and coming you know so right. yeah well and it's interesting
0: too yeah. even it's if you, you know and there, there were some some twitter users, some Edmonton fans who posted some stats and stuff. And the regular season stats do show that Edmonton has some good depth, but depth doesn't matter if you don't play the depth, right? So that's another thing that that Edmonton doesn't play that style of game. Like you may have some depth in your third and fourth lines, but you don't roll four lines. I no. and especially in games five and six, what you know, and what I saw was they 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 roll out uh they were putting mcdavid on one line and dry sidle on another they were keeping them separate but then like as soon as they're trailing they put them (laughs) both out there in in a super line right they put mcdavid and dry and it's mcdavid dry sidle yeah Yeah, and they put them out there and then they come off for a shift there it's like they're out there every other shift and they're playing long shifts and so i get it that's your firepower i understand i don't i don't blame them for doing that but that's not a team that wins with depth, right? And so I guess that's what I have been getting at, and certainly got in some debates with some some Oilers fans. You know, they're talking about the team's deep. It's like, but that's not your asset that you play. You don't no. you don't really play your depth. You lean heavily yeah. on your star players and your power play. Vegas rolls four lines, and they're not afraid to roll four lines. They're not afraid to that's put him. any line out against any line, and that's but they what perform. Uh, yeah, exactly. And they score, and that's yeah. Like
1: when we look at the Edmonton scoring. Okay, yeah, McDavid and Dryside have got insane numbers because they're insane. But then you look underneath that and you're like, where's everyone else? Yeah. You know, where's Nugent Hopkins? Mm -hmm. You know, um, know, Yamamoto had an okay series, but I'm like, that really? Who were going to be falling? You're going to be putting. Whereas I feel like, who like Master Show, obviously, you know, you played fantastic in game six, Mm -hmm. but that's where you were getting your goals from. You know, in, in the preview for the next series, I looked at, okay, where are Vegas' points coming from? And okay, equals the top scorer in the in the team. But realistically, as we kind of expected, the Vegas team is just got scoring throughout. hmm You know, and if it's different nights, it's different people. Yeah. You'd be surprised in a series, if one of your players doesn't turn up and it's and it's a big player, like
0: Anujan Hopkins, it hurts you.
1: Yeah. You know, and I feel like yeah. that was
0: part of it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Cassidy might have made a few tactical adjustments as well that really helped them in games 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. Uh and you really could see it in game 6, but uh Edmonton largely was playing a man-to-man defense and Vegas it's they may this may have been the plan all along, but they executed it very well, particularly in game 6 which was a the, the way they were cycling the puck, they were forcing Edmonton in that man-to-man situation. They were forcing yeah. lost coverage. They were forcing guys to lose their man. And they were drawing these plays up on all of the broadcasts. How many times Edmonton players just lost their man? And it was something about the way Vegas was cycling the puck, the way they were moving the puck around the zone crossing over and it's not to say that that probably wasn't the plan all teams like to do that against a man-to-man defense if they can but but they figured out how to do it and that cost them on, on at least two of marcia so's goals and that's that's the difference maker in the game right there so it was interesting and like I, listen i i know there are there's probably zero chance in hell that any edmonton fan is listening to this podcast but on, on the chance that you are Respect. Edmonton is a fantastic team. The Oilers are a great team. So I am not crapping on Edmonton. It was a tough series. But if we're going to analyze, you know, where things went wrong, that that's what I saw. And I think also, once again, teams and people tend to sleep on Vegas a little bit. Maybe, maybe the team didn't. But uh, everybody seems so surprised. I'm not, but I'm also a fan. So but, um, it's great. Win in six. Now Vegas gets a little bit of rest and moving on to the conference final. This will be the fourth time they've appeared in a corf- a conference final in their short six year history, that's, that's which is crazy. pretty, pretty incredible. Um, Dallas, you know, I kind of was quietly hoping for a Seattle Vegas <laughs> conference final. Yeah. I just, I love that story. But, uh, like you said, that's not how it panned out by one goal. So, um, but anyway, yeah, this is a rematch of the Western Conference final in the bubble in 2020. So, a bit of mm-hmm. a maybe a revenge match for DeBoer, who of course just got let go in Vegas last year. I mean, you know, he would love to send Vegas packing. And then, of course, it's a grudge match for Vegas, who got sent home in five games in the bubble. But two very different teams now. And um, yes, very different. This is a good chance for us to do. We did this last episode or the episode before, but we're going to do some rapid fire questions. Anything you want to add about this series before we dig into these uh, these two minute <laughs> quick shots here, um, or, or you want to save it for the for the two minute
1: uh, section? I'm here. A, I'm really excited. I, I love the playoffs anyway. I love the format. I, this is this is where hockey for me gets real. Um, Vegas Dallas is a fantastic matchup. Seattle's. Vegas would have been interesting because I think it's mm. two very very different teams. I think there's mm. a lot of parity between Dallas and Vegas, which will make it interesting, but makes it um, a different kind of cocktail than what we would have got if it was if it was Seattle. There. Um, no, like I think you know, like you said, I, I forgot about the bubble, but that, again proves how successful uh, Dallas have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody's sleeping on this matchup. Tell you that nobody's sleeping on this because no. everybody knows this is. This is two, it's like these are the two Western Titans. You know, Edmonton w- would have been in that mix as well, I'm with you. I'm sure there aren't any listeners from Edmonton, but what <laughs> I will say is, if you keep building, and you, and you add a few things, and you may have to let a, a Nugent Hopkins go to make this work, mm-hmm. but they can win a Stanley Cup.
0: Yeah, Edmonton's they close. Stanley Cup. They're close. They're close, yeah. yeah it's it's kind of like, I liken it a little bit to Colorado when they kept kind of missing just barely, right? Like, yeah. and, and the year that Vegas knocked them out and McKinnon was so frustrated, Colorado was a scary good team. And it was mm-hmm. like, they were just, and then the next just year, they a few sp- pieces. Yeah. And they just steamrolled over the cup the next year. I, That's I it. would not be shocked to see, Edmonton do something like that in in the near future so I mean and look Oilers fans don't want to hear that from a Vegas fan right now and it doesn't matter because none of them are listening anyway but in case they're (laughs) listening for spite or to choose my words so that you can criticize listen respect uh, hard fought series and uh, yeah but anyway yeah let's talk about Dallas and and this is something we did a couple episodes ago so what we're going to do and get your timer ready there Ian uh, we Each will pose a question to one another about this series. And uh, the person answering has two minutes to answer the question, two minutes strictly. And then what we'll do, uh, if you're listening to the long form version of the podcast, you can just listen straight through. But we like to do this so that we can, ah, there it is. He's got it ready and I've got mine too. Um, We like to clip these because of the Twitter time limit and just some short form content. So we'll clip these two minute segments and upload them to the gold and steel Twitter profile. So, are you ready? You got your timer going here, Ian? You got, I'm going to, tell press, you when, my, I'll tell um, you when to go. And here's the question. Uh, mm-hmm. What strengths does Dallas bring to this series? And then in parentheses, another way to look at it is what will Vegas need to watch out for? So, put your finger on your timer. You have two minutes to answer the question. Go. Okay.
1: So there's three areas that Dallas bring to this and they're different to Edmonton. It's a very different team as we were saying a second ago. Very different setup. First things, face-offs. Dallas has the best face-off percentage in the postseason, which is not a surprise because down the centre they are deep. You've got the resurgence of Jamie Benn. He's somebody to watch out for in this series. He's got a chip on his shoulder because most people said he was done and he is far from done. He had a fantastic regular season and he then carried on in the postseason, The other person to watch out for is Rope Hintz, who is Dallas's top goal scorer, scored the goal that put uh, Seattle to the sword, essentially, in the final, but he has been very, very consistent. Another classic example, by the way, of Dallas drafting well. It's not drafting top three, but drafting superstars in those lower picks. Next superstar is Jason Robertson. So he is, again, somebody to watch out for. It was Had a really awful series against Seattle. I don't think he scored a point, but he certainly didn't score a goal. Um, if he gets hot against Seattle, up uh, Seattle, against Vegas, problems. So I expect it to be close. That's the second of the three points. Expect it to be close. This isn't going to be a five game series. This isn't going to be a four game washout. This is going to go seven. I have this horrible feeling, guys. This is going to be painful and it's going to go seven. Because the last thing, the last thing I want to talk about, I've got enough time to do this, is goaltending. It's going to be key. Right. It's going to be massive, but. Well, on the Dallas side, you've got Jacob Ottinger, who is fantastic. This kid is is superstar next level. He's going to be one of the goaltenders we're going to be talking about the next 10, 15 years as being Vasilevsky style and quality. So if he stays hot and he, you know, he's been pretty good in the playoffs, then Vegas have got a game on their hands. So for me, it's face offs, it's scoring, because they've got they do play four lines like uh, like Vegas do. And
0: it's goaltending. Exactly. It's two minutes, mate. Yeah, two minutes exactly. Well done. Boom. Well played. Uh, yeah, good stuff there. And uh, as you said, Dallas is a juggernaut of a team. I'm kind of with you. I expect this to be a long, hard series. So. All right, it's my turn. Uh, two minutes. I guess maybe I'll turn it over to you. Makes more sense for you to ask. Them. Do you have the question there in front of you or do you want me to ask myself? Enough. I have the
1: question. You don't right. have to ask yourself. It's all good. So okay. <laughs> again, because we're going to be clipping these yeah. for those yeah. uh, people that are just listening to this clip. This is our <laughs> quick fire questions. And so that's what we did for round one. We're doing it for round two. So JP has two minutes to answer the following question. Hopefully you've got your time already, buddy. I've, I've got, ready. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I've <laughs> got right. it ready. I'm still question. I've got it ready to go. <laughs> good stuff. So the question is, how will this series differ against the series with Edmonton? So two minutes
0: starting now. All right. Uh, First of all, Dallas is a more balanced team than Edmonton, for sure. Edmonton, as we've discussed already, is extremely top-heavy compared to the rest of their lineup. People say they're deep, but when you've got two of the best players in the world on your top line, that's a top-heavy team. I do think Dallas relies on their top lines more perhaps than vegas does vegas rolls four lines a bit more than dallas but dallas is definitely a more balanced team and you can expect more of that rolling rolling at you line after line more of that kind of consistent onslaught which is similar to what vegas brings but in it in you know the edmonton series that was definitely not the case so i think uh, expect that here and that will contribute to this being a closer series i think i don't think there's going to be as many blowouts like you said, like 5-1, 5-2. There was a lot of that in the Edmonton-Vegas series. I think you're right. I think we're going to see closer games here, maybe a lot of one-goal games, maybe some OT games. Uh, Vegas hasn't played an OT game yet, I don't think. So uh, we're probably due for one of those. I also think it's going to be, as you've mentioned already, it's going to be more of a goaltending battle. Um, The Vegas-Edmonton series, I would not call that a goaltending battle. That was definitely... That was more of an offensive onslaught kind of kind of series. And uh, this, this is going to be one of the... I don't, I don't expect this to be as high-scoring a series, like you said. And I think a lot of that's going to come down to uh, Hill versus Ottinger. Um, and then one other little thing that may be a factor here. There's a bit more reconnaissance. DeBoer coached this team for two or three seasons. So DeBoer knows the players on Vegas very well. There's a lot of inside uh, intelligence already. And that can be an advantage. So, uh, And DeBoer is great at shifting strategy in games. That's one of his strengths. And so I expect Dallas to be able to, to roll with the punches a bit better than Edmonton did. But um, that's another major difference. And I think I did it. That's two minutes. Exactly. There you go. Boom. Boom. So Cool. Good stuff. Doing, man? Um, one more question. And so on this one, we're going to... Do a minute each, right? Is that what we agreed to? That's what we did last time. Last question, and and we'll each do a minute. So I will shoot it to you first, Ian. I'm going to adjust my timer to one minute. You do the same. And uh, if you're ready, I will hit you with the question. What are the keys for Vegas to win the series? You have one minute and go. Okay, so we're going to keep with the same theme. So
1: goal is Aiden Hill needs to stay like he's doing at the moment. He needs to stay healthy uh, and he needs to stay performing well because it is going to be a goalie battle, as you rightly said in the uh, previous question. Um, the other one is face-offs. They've got to win the face-offs. The centres have got to play. They can't be getting chucked out and then the wingers come in and we start losing easy face-offs because it's not going to be the power play battle that we saw against Edmonton, but it is going to be a possession battle against uh, Dallas. And that means that you've got to... Keep possession, win those face-offs. That's really, really important. And then the other area, and this is one we haven't really talked about in these two other questions, as physicality. A Dallas are not a weak team. They're, they're they're not seen as being a massive, massive team, but they've got some big guys, and they don't have a problem hitting, and they don't have a problem playing that physical board game. So that's something that uh, Vegas have to be really, really conscious of: is is that physical level. Excellent. That's the three. Man.
0: All right. There's your one minute. I'm going to start my one minute right away. Um, so I will say, uh, Eichel needs to keep doing what he's doing. I was looking at a stat earlier today. Uh, Vegas are seven and O in the postseason when Eichel scores and they are one and three when he doesn't, I don't think that's an accident. Fortunately, Eichel has been dialed in. He's acted like he's been playing in the playoffs for years. It, I haven't really seen, uh, any jitters or adjustment from him. He's He seems really comfortable. So he needs to keep doing what he's doing. Another thing to bear in mind is uh, Dallas has lost five games. Vegas has lost three. Dallas has played 13 games. Vegas has played 11. That means there's been more rest built in there for Vegas. Dallas is more than likely a little more tired, a little more fatigued, a little more beat up. And we know the playoffs are a battle of attrition. So they need to wear Dallas down and take advantage of of the fact that when you go on a deep run like this, Players are hurt. They're tired, and Vegas has the advantage. They're healthier and more rested for sure. That's one minute. Those are the keys. Good stuff, Ian. Um, wow, I, I'm pretty pretty pumped that Vegas has gotten this far and gotten this far in five games and in six. I mean, uh, they're in a. I Doing mean well, man. Going back to what I was saying there, too. They're they're very healthy. I mean, they're pretty healthy <laughs> for, for say this it? far How in. Say it? I know, right? I, <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, exactly. But, I mean, uh, hardly any players I mean, you're right, have they m- missed any time. Other than Bruce
1: Waugh, obviously. Yeah. is yeah. the was a loss. Um, but yeah. then Aiden Hill stepped up. So mm-hmm. it hasn't felt like a loss. I think that's why, some you know, if you're talking to most fans, they probably forget he got injured because yeah. Yeah. Aiden Hill just kind of stepped in and it, it carried on through. But, right, right. Um, yeah, look for a team that wasn't even classed as being a contender. And those that follow us on Twitter know that I tend to rant about a few things on Twitter, um, you know. But the from a hockey sense, it's few or three times I've said the fact that the athletic, the NHL.com, as well some of the other punditry um, outlets were quite adamant that Vegas were not a contender in this season throughout mm-hmm. the whole season. Yeah, even when they looked like they we're going to win a division and the Western Conference is still. Was seen as this yeah but when it comes down to it they're not going to last and mm-hmm. and they have so yeah I think it kind of fits well with Vegas being the not an underdog as such but almost being discounted It yeah. kind of fits with the misfit mantra right. so yeah. yeah
0: definitely yeah Rolling. they love they love being the underdog and Vegas's style of play and the way the team is built it is one of those teams it's, it can be easy to sleep on them and I think Vegas is just fine with that. And actually it's funny because I think that attitude from the rest of the league, from the pundits, from the other fans, I think that fuels the players. I think they love that. In fact, Zach Whitecloud was being interviewed by one of the Vegas press, like one of the the press hired by the team. It might've been Gary Lawless. Somebody asked him, I heard this on, on Vegas's actual podcast on the team's podcast the other day. But one of them was interviewing Zach Whitecloud, you know, a lot of people haven't and said something to the effect of, you know, a lot of people haven't given this team credit. A lot of people think that this team is was going to get blown out by the Oilers. This was before the series started. And Whitecloud's response was perfect. They love it. They love being underestimated they love being the underdog and they love it when everybody says that they're not going to win it gives them more fuel to to play their best and so and i think even the fans are sort of embracing that attitude that's part of vegas's identity is sort of an against all odds team, um, and um i think it's a good thing it's interesting though i watched a little snippet from the steve dangle podcast earlier today and two of of the three guys on that panel steve dangle being one of them uh but his, you know, his two uh, kind of sidekicks that are on that show with him, they both chose Vegas to win the cup. So, wow! And these are, you know, these are like hardcore Canadian dudes. Like, so somebody's recognizing it, right? Like by this point, people see that Vegas, you know, and there's only four teams left, right? It's anybody's cup at this point. So but, how can you know? Yeah. But I thought, I thought that was a little bit refreshing just to see that and. You know, whatever. We don't need the respect from the rest of the league. The, w- when Vegas does finally win the cup at some point, uh, the, the rest of the league will have no choice. So, <laughs> right. The, the cup makes everybody year. shut up. <laughs> yeah. Could, could it be could, could be show. this year. Exactly. What if force
1: Foley's thing? Was it like
0: uh, playoffs three, playoffs in, three cup in, in three, cup in six. Exactly. And, and he obviously playoffs in it's one, same. but this is the year. Exactly. So it's exciting stuff. We'll, we'll see how things go and, For our listeners, the next time we come to you, we will likely be a couple games into the series. I'm guessing by that point, two or three games in, depending on when we record and release, but, uh, exciting stuff. Thanks again to all of our listeners for your support during the playoffs. We've had so much interaction on the Twitter profile and we're now, um, on Instagram as well and starting to grow and chat with people there. And our listener numbers have, have, have been growing really fast and so we just really appreciate all of you and if you have any questions or any thoughts on the team you know anything you'd like us to talk about on the show feel free to drop us a note on twitter if you're on there or on instagram or the mailbag feature at our website which is goldandsteel.vegas goldandsteel.vegas and there's a mailbag feature there you can get in touch with us we'd love to hear from you but Thanks again, guys. Enjoy this playoff run. It's been very exciting and very exhausting. So be sure to take advantage of the rest right now while the team's resting. Be sure to rest and give yourself a mental break because this is going to be a crazy series for sure. But thanks again on behalf of Ian and myself. We appreciate all of you. Stay safe. Stay well. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.